live. All right, here we go. Let's see. I won't waste too much time in the beginning. Let's hit this intro music and see how this sounds. It's nothing but nets here on Talking Nets. Brooklyn, we go hard. <laughs> go, go hard. Talking Nets. Hosted by Keith McPherson, Robin Lundberg, and Hudson Flynn. Yeah, I need I need more hove influence. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wa- I'm waving a towel right now. <laughs> it's a little monster truck vibe with the intro too. Talking <laughs> next, 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 next. Next up on the show, <laughs> Keith McPherson. It's, it's got that drive time energy. It feels it feels good to be recording this early. <laughs> it's waking me up a little bit. Yeah, I'm try, do try get a wipe. I like the outro. <laughs> That's a long outro on this. Yeah. All right, folks. Let's bring it in. All right. An abrupt cutoff. Yeah, I, just, <laughs> I just ended it. I was like, all right. No. Here we go. Talking Nets, episode 166. Nets never start fast. We're one in four. Welcome back, Keith McPherson, Robin Lumberg, Hudson Flynn. Uh, yeah, so the last episode that we had, we looked ahead to these games and we knew they weren't going to be easy against all playoff teams from last year, against superstar talent. You literally just went through a gauntlet, two games on the road where you faced John ja Morant, who's being talked about as an MVP this year, Giannis who obviously already has multiple MVPs, and Luka, who's every year uh, the betting favorite to win MVP. And then you have Kyrie Irving, who's talked of winning an MVP, and Kevin Durant, who has won an MVP. But, uh, you know, we were just talking before we went live about how it doesn't matter if Katie and Kyrie score 30, 40 points a night. There's some issues here with the Nets that are deeper than those two top guys. So I welcome you guys in. How you doing, Robin? I'm doing well. Look, I would be doing better if the Nets had won. But for the content, it's probably good. You need some of the the sky is falling shows, you know, and, and just hope that the sky isn't actually falling. I'm somewhere in the middle. I really am. I'm somewhere in the middle because there's a part of me that goes, oh, my God, the same issues. They can't defend second chance opportunities, you know, and when something is a pattern like that, as long as it's been, then you think it, it is part of the inherent system, whether that's the coach or, or the culture or what have you. At, at the other end of the spectrum, I think there's a good team in there. You know, they, they've played a tough schedule. The schedule's about to soften. You, you've got the Pacers back-to-back. You know, they've been in games with the Bucs. There was a, a stretch in that game where if a couple shots go, maybe they can win that game. You know, same thing with the Grizzlies. They're in that game. They could have won the Mavs game as well. I thought Steve Nash, after the Mavs game, uh, said some promising things about the future adjustments when it comes to the personnel. They're going to get some bodies back. Um, they've at least competed some. So when we're, we're thinking about this team as contenders, they are not contenders until proven otherwise. You know, they're not good enough defensively. Uh, they allow too many, too many extra possessions for the other team. But I, I also don't think... It's it's a disaster. Um, I, I think that there there's a good team in there somewhere. Yeah, I think there's a good team in there. But like you said, results have to prove otherwise. You know, uh, I love some of the things I've seen from the Nets. Obviously, it's good to see Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving back and, and scoring at the rate that they've been. But, you know, my overarching th- thought, other than the fact that content's great. I mean, we had one, the, the, the video of, of Ben Simmons uh, getting yelled at to shoot by Kyrie did something like 2 million views on our Twitter because people <laughs> love, love talking about the nets. Um, my overarching thought is, is the fact that the nets have the expectation. And I think that doesn't go away uh, of being a contender for a championship, right? They, they have to be, if you're signing Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, you you brought in James Harden, you trade him out for Ben Simmons, all that stuff. You have to have that expectation. So it, it's very high expectation for the nets, but Right now, it doesn't look like we're we're even we're even half that. But on the bright side, I think we have fixable problems, and I think we'll you know continue to have a, at least a, a mildly optimistic view of the of the the time going forward with the Nets. 
you know, if we can address some of these problems. All right, so let's go back to Monday. Let's go back to the Memphis Grizzlies game at the FedEx Forum. The Nets lose that game 134 to 124. So when you just hear the score right away, you're like, well, damn, they gave up 134 points. They scored 124 points and weren't able to win. Um, here's my thoughts at that. going back to that game. The Memphis Grizzlies, I, I said on the last episode, the Memphis Grizzlies always beat us. We it doesn't matter. Like, I think they they beat the Nets the last like five times in a row. And when you go down there to Memphis to their place, the FedEx Forum, there these young guys have a vibe in there. They have a confidence in there. They're dancing and swagging. And hey, I mentioned John Morant, but Desmond Bain is another bully. We let him knock down shots in the second half, and. I think they just checked the Nets' chin. You know you know what chin checking is. It's just like just trying to see how tough you are. And I think there is a word out on the street, which we already know. Uh, Markeith Morris, shout out to Markeith Morris. He's supposed to be rejoining the team Saturday. He hasn't been with the team these last three games. But Markeith Morris said this in media day. He said, you know, like the Nets were soft and people knew you could run through their chest. When he was with the Miami Heat, he knew – they all knew, hey, just go through these guys' chest, be physical with them. And now you've got guys like Ben Simmons. And, of course, he's not in full rhythm yet. They're they're checking him. He's fouling out. He's getting teed up. That's another thing. There's been so many technical fouls on the Nets. Um, when, in this Memphis game, I just looked at it as, okay, uh, they were with them in the beginning. They had the lead at some points. And, uh, you know, the, the, they had a seven-point lead at one point. And in the second half, the Grizzlies came out and punched them in the mouth, and they didn't have enough defense to stop them. Um, I feel like they just got bullied a little bit. Robin, what were you thinking uh, watching that Memphis game on Monday? Well, the Nets are a weak team. They just, it's soft, weak, however you want to put it. Uh, they, they don't get enough defensive stops when it really matters. They they constantly give up second-chance opportunities to the other team, whether it's their their turnovers or not securing a defensive rebound. Um, they, they constantly go through these lapses where you just are like, what are you doing? Or, you, you know, you make a mistake on a rotation, and you leave an open three-point shooter there. Um, and that's something that has to be proven otherwise. You know, they have to, to show that's not who they are. I think they've been more competitive this year. I mean, for, for the encouraging sign, I think they've taken some of these punches and, and tried to come back in some of these games. Now, eventually that has to show up in the results. But, yeah, I mean, when they play uh, – first of all, the Grizzlies are an actual contender. And when you play these big physical teams that, that have a level of physicality about them, that's generally the, the Nets' Achilles heel. So, uh, I mean, until that fundamental issue is addressed, because the, the Nets are never going to be a burly team. They're never going to be the most physical team in the league. They're built to, to score. They're built to spread the floor. They're built to shoot. But they also have to show, hey, you're not going to just push us around and we're going to gang rebound. And, and we're going we're gonna to get the ball and push it and set up our shooters that way. Um, and, and that label, soft, weak, applies. It's a fair label. Yeah, I, I think they're weak. And if you're looking at things from that game that I think you can actually take and expand out to other games, because, you know, John Morant is an MVP candidate. Kevin Durant said that he's going to be one of the faces of the league going forward. Him putting up big numbers on the nets is not something that anyone should be surprised by. Uh, but the kind of thing that I think is going to, you know, really cause problems for the Nets is is someone like Desmond Bain, who and I actually turned on uh, parts of the the Memphis home broadcast for a little while to hear how they were talking about this matchup. And Desmond Bain had not been playing well going into this game. He had not been someone that they believed where it was, you know, hitting his stride in the way that he had last season or or in a way that they were expecting for this season. And he puts up 38 points against the Nets, mostly in the second half. And that's the kind of thing where I think, you know, if we can stop other teams' primary scorers, if we can stop them, that's, you know, icing on the cake. But we can't get killed by secondary scorers. There's going to be matchup nightmares for the Nets. But Desmond Bain isn't the kind of person that we should be allowing to score 38 points. That's the kind of killer, the Nets killer, that we've seen happen in the past. And that's something that I think genuinely needs to be addressed, because whether it's uh, issues with rotation, you know, messing up on uh, defensive alignments, any of that stuff. It, it, it seems to really coalesce for the Nets, particularly in the second halves of games 
when we are trying to, whether it's secure a lead or stay in the game or come back from a small deficit, it, it seems to really kill us. And not to, to jump ahead too much, but we saw a great example of that uh, in the Mavs game last night in overtime when the Mavs hit those back-to-back threes. You know, the Nets struggle with stopping that second score. And if we, if we can't stop that second score going forward, I think genuinely that is something that might cause bigger problems for the Nets going forward than anything else we've seen so far. There was a lot of chirping in this game early on. I feel like the Nets came to play. They have been competing. They know that teams are trying to punk them. There was some chirping early on with Dylan Brooks and KD and some texts in this game. Um, Before we move on, I'll say this. Taylor Jenkins is one of the best coaches in the NBA. And uh, we've already talked about the matchup between superstars in each game. You can't leave out the head coaches either. So this is Taylor Jenkins versus Steve Nash. And this is another game where you come out at halftime or you come out after halftime and they get smacked. That third quarter is where you lose the game and it starts to separate. And Desmond Bain ended up having 38 points. He went crazy from three. He was eight for 11 from deep. And in the beginning of the game, he he didn't have that many points. I think out of his 38, he might have had like 10 or 13 points in the first half. He poured it on in the second half. Um they also had this guy, Santi Aldama. Santi Aldama is the guy that was chosen in the draft right after Dayron Sharp. So Dayron Sharp was picked 29 and Aldama was picked 30. So those two will forever be linked. Uh, Dayron is not exactly there yet. And you'll see where I'm going with this as we get through the rest of the games. He played how many minutes in this first game? Uh, In this Memphis game, he played 14 and a half minutes. Joe Harris had 22 minutes. Joe Harris is another guy. Uh, He's not the Joe we've seen in the past. He's trying to also work back after missing a lot of time. You need him on the floor for spacing. But, man, do we we need him to knock down his shots. When he's open, he's got to hit his threes. I mean, that's, that's why you exist. That's why you're paid the money that you're paid. Sorry, you know, when you're open, you got to hit the open threes, Joe Harris. Right. He's not out there for his defense. He was two for seven from deep. Uh, that's It's tough to win when they're hitting your their threes and you're not. It's that simple. Like, they're, it's a make or miss league. They're making their shots. You're not. Kevin Kevin Durant had 37, and he started early. Uh, Kyrie had 39. It does not matter. These guys can go for damn near 40 and uh, not get it done. Um, all right. Let's see. Oh, no, that was the Mavericks score. Um, I'm looking at different box scores, but it was close, right? Literally. So what did I just say? In this Mavericks game, uh, Kevin Durant had 37, Kyrie had 39. In the Grizzlies game, Kevin Durant had 37, Kyrie had 37. It's the same thing. All right, let's move on. So from, you know, the loss down there in Tennessee uh, to the Memphis Grizzlies, who were the number two seed in the West, they're a good team. All that talk about them being better with John Moran is foolish. Uh, he's a superstar, and they're going to be competitive all year. So the Nets lose there to open up this uh, quick little road trip. Then they go to Wisconsin, and uh, I've been out there by the Pfizer Forum. I hate that place. It is a house of horrors, and the officiating is trash there. Uh, I said on the last episode that I thought Giannis was a dirty player. He's just a bull in the china shop. That's what I. That's what I label him as. The dude runs into people he pushes people he kicks people he like is underneath people when they're trying to land he's just reckless and i feel like they don't know how to call him like they do not know how to officiate him they're in awe of him even listening to uh capper and carino on brooklyn nets radio they were trying to figure out a guy that they were reminded of that was you know officiated like so hard to officiate they, they threw Shaq out there and i'm like Giannis is different than Shaq. Like Giannis, Giannis is a different player than Shaq. But going into this game, you know there's somewhat of a rivalry. It's not really a rivalry when the other team always wins. The Bucks were three and one against the Nets last year, and uh, you know beat the Nets on opening night. Here they go, they beat the Nets again. The first two things that I think about when I think about this 110-99 loss to the Bucks, Giannis had nine points in the first half, and the Nets had a I think 12 point lead at halftime completely different second half Steve Nash gets ejected there's a bunch of technical fouls there and uh 
Giannis has his way. They literally let this guy push KD, shoulder KD. Uh, there was a one play where Sharp was guarding him, and they called a foul on Sharp, and it clearly wasn't a foul. Um, what were you thinking, Robin, watching this Bucks game? It's like deja vu. Yeah, I didn't think that KD play was a big deal. I, I, I think you, you see those sort of screens happen all the time. It's just Giannis is, is bigger and stronger. Uh, Giannis is the new Shaq. He is the new Shaq because of he doesn't play the same way as Shaq, but that's the way the game has evolved, right? Like yeah. he's the big physical uh, presence that that nobody can stop. Reckless is a better word than dirty. I I, I would agree with reckless. He he and he could do anything. The refs let him do anything, and that's the the problem. How are you going to stop this guy if when he shoves off with his forearm, it's a, a foul on you? You know, like that's <laughs> those are the those are the plays that drive me crazy. He he's throwing the guy down. And then they're calling the foul on the guy who's on the ground. So as good as Giannis is, as relentless as he is, you're not going to be able to stop him if he's getting that sort of whistle. So what I think that the positive for the Nets from that game and from Nash is trying to plant the seeds and say, hey, because the Nets have gotten, uh, this is not Homer talk. The Nets have gotten a bad whistle. You know, the KD doesn't get some of the, the calls that I, I think he should get. You know, you know some of the, these calls go against them in, in these key moments that, that swing games. And I think that's what Nash was trying to say there is like, how many times does this have to happen over and over again? And they're never going to beat the Bucks if Giannis is is scoring at the, the rate he's going to score because you just can't stop him. And then he's getting free points on top of it that maybe should be putting him in foul trouble. You know, if a couple of those go the other way, then Giannis has two or three fouls and he's sitting down because we saw um, Nick Claxton pick up fouls in, in a game early it was at the Bucks or the Grizzlies game but where he, he had to go sit down and that just changes up the rhythm of the game so I, I think uh if there's a positive from that it's, it's Nash trying to fight for the team and trying to plant those seeds a little bit but yeah like if you know Giannis can get away with anything the, the Nets are never going to beat the Bucks. yeah and I think that's one thing that I kind of honed in on which you know I was late to the not hate train but the Giannis dislike train a lot of a lot of people there's a lot of you know, circles on, on NBA Twitter and uh, especially within the Nets community that really don't like Giannis, whether they think he's a dirty or a reckless player. They think, you know, his, his play style is is unattractive, whatever. I, I was late to that train, but I, I can't get past. And, and I mentioned this earlier to, uh, to Robin and Keith before we started recording. And I put out a tweet that got a lot of negative responses from from Buck's Twitter. But I don't think he's very exciting to watch. I don't think I hate his game. I, I don't think I hate, when, I hate his game. I don't think if you're getting those kinds of calls, I, I don't think it, it it didn't to me. It didn't feel like there was not that there wasn't competitive balance, because I think there's always players that are going to be cheat codes in the NBA. But if you're so good and Giannis is and the game, the current version of the NBA game is is really so tailored to him. Getting those fouls is is the cherry on top of, of of the cake for him that I don't think makes him very interesting to watch anymore. If every time he drives, he's allowed to travel. If every time he takes <laughs> a free throw, he's allowed to you know get a delay of game warning and it doesn't really change much of anything. If those things keep happening, it loses that interest to me because I love it when the Nets play against good players. I, mm-hmm. I even didn't totally hate it when the Nets played against him in the playoffs two seasons ago. But... The way he exists now and the way that he's getting called, not even from a Nets homer perspective, just makes games where he plays, even as a neutral, kind of uninteresting. Because if he's not going to get those calls, then there's really no competition, right? If if Giannis is not able to get foul calls and he's able to put up, you know, 40 points and 15 rebounds every night without any type of repercussions, of course the Bucks are going to win games. And, and that's the way it works. But it's just not very exciting. There's not very much parity if that's the way things are going to be allowed to continue. I disagree with both of you. I think he's exciting to watch. I think he, he's an awesome player and, and a complete force of nature. And, and it reminds me of like being a little kid complaining about Shaq. Well, I can't shoot the ball. I can't do this sort of stuff. You know, but Shaq was so dominant. And I realized later, you know, however year old me was a, a hater at that time. Giannis is a monster. I wish his DNA could be shared with the Nets. I wish, you know, like, like She-Hulk gets Hulk's blood and turns into She-Hulk. <laughs> I wish some of Giannis's competitive spirit could Going be shared with the Nets. <laughs> yeah, because he never stops. He keeps coming downhill, and that's one of the reasons he's rewarded. One of the reasons he's rewarded is because of that force he plays with, and he never stops. Now, I agree that he gets away with anything, and that needs to change, and the, the refs need to, to, to stop uh, kowtowing to him. You know, and, and it gets a little corny when he's always like, oh, no, I'm just a role player. 
I'm not good. I'm not, you know, like we we get what you're doing, dude. You're doing the whole, I'm so humble act. So people like you, but he's an awesome player and all time great player. Exciting to watch with the caveat of he can't just get away with everything or it's not fair to the team that that's playing. Yeah, but is for, that is that interesting to you? That's that's my question. Me, is it is it is it, if he's going to even, get those foul calls? Is it interesting? Is that something sure, that you I, enjoy watching did they, did for an entire game? Celtics, you know, did he lose to the Celtics last year? He did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So I, I mean, mean he can like lose. He can lose. But we've watched so many games of like just him traveling, him fouling, him being able to just play a different game than other guys and teams can play he's allowed to have his way it is miraculous to me like Hudson cited the uh the the violation at the foul line we were in there in Barclays counting down how long it took in the beginning of that um series they had the counter on the big screen the NBA made the Nets take the counter off he is a darling he's an international darling they cater to him and uh they won't even like, I don't know. They're never going to change it. It's like they don't even know how to call him. He gets away with things. And, and that's why I say I hate his game. Um, it's not like he's smooth. He's a bull in a china shop. Yeah. And I get it. He's dominant. But for me, not even as a Nets fan, when I watch him, I'm like, get this guy out of here. See, man. I, I don't think you could separate the Nets fandom from it a little bit because it, it yeah, keeps happening. Hurt. Yeah, much, I, I, I sense a little hater. I got to I got to be honest with you guys. I sense a little hater coming through, you know, but I, I understand it's not that the critiques are invalid. The critiques are valid. And, and especially, you know, the, the other night, again, like, and or whoever they're going against. That's the thing. The biggest thing for me that they need to change is everybody gets away with the travel here and there. It's when he's initiating the contact on the drive by lowering his shoulder or by putting his forearm off, and then you're calling the foul on the defender. Like, that is absurd. It's an absurd call, and 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 that needs to stop. But I'm not going to sit here and, and say Giannis isn't fun to watch or, or – or, you know, I hate his game. I mean, I, again, I would if Giannis was on the Nets, you would be you would be endlessly cheering. You'd have Giannis pom poms on either side, and you'd be oh, saying, "Oh, of course, you know, no, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> like I'm not out here man. claiming to be better than anybody." I would love Giannis if he was on the Nets, obviously. I, but and you're right, I maybe I can't take that hater DNA uh, out of my system, but there's just something about it that it's just it, it's gotten boring. Even though I, I really did like him. Even the, up until that, I never that liked two years ago. I never <laughs> liked him. I never thought he was. I never thought he was good. Uh, I, I, I never I, thought he was good. I just, I just, I just look at him as a, a a football player out there. It's like this guy's not playing basketball. He's allowed to play football. He's allowed to walk. That's why Steve Nash was bugging out. <laughs> look at those eyes. Steve Nash was bugging out. This, you know what got Steve Nash ejected? You like the first time we've ever seen Steve Nash ejected, bugging out like this was because of the elbow that he sent into Patty Mills, who's half his size. Patty goes flying back, and they don't call it. <laughs> like, like, we're watching a different game when Giannis is on the court. And, uh, you know, I feel like there's a target on Ben Simmons as well. It's been super corny to watch as a Nets fan this early on. It's like everybody roasts Ben Simmons. I'm watching Sports Center yesterday in the morning, and this is the shot chart they put up for Ben Simmons, second half versus the Bucks. He obviously didn't take any shots. Why does the national worldwide leader of sports have to use him to troll him and or use this to troll him and make him the butt of every joke? It's like it just piles onto the nets, right? Because they all, mm-hmm. you know, between Kyrie, then the shoot it, Ben. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's nonsense, man. It's like uh, no one cares about the nets, but everyone cares about the nets. And everybody wants to roast and troll and make fun of the nets. And you add Ben Simmons to this, and they've got unlimited jokes now. Well, people can't separate emotions from analysis. That's first thing. You yeah. see it all the time. You know, why does LeBron still have haters? Because, they, you know, like, you, you can't hate on LeBron's career, yet people will figure out a way to do it. They'll do mental gymnastics because they dislike him. People dislike the Nets. Outside of Nets fans and, and you know, people who think they're cool or whatever, like, there's a an animosity toward the Nets, in particular some of the Nets players, Kevin Durant, for, you know, stuff he's done online, requesting the trade, whatnot. Kyrie Irving for whatever you want to call it, his mercurial nature. Uh, and and Ben Simmons for not playing and sitting out with the, the Sixers and not taking that shot and, and the, the holdover from Philadelphia fans. Then there's also a trend in our culture, social media culture, and sports media. And I'm a part of it. I, I, I deserve some blame. I try to be cognizant of this 
in the content I put out. But, you know, there are these people and players and figures who become the butt of jokes. And that gets clicks. That gets comments. That, that gets people talking. And, you know, it, Russ, it's going on with Russell Westbrook in L.A. It's, it's very similar. And, and Ben Simmons is that guy right now where it's hot. It, it goes back to the practice shot, right? It's, it's ha-ha Ben Simmons. That's what people are looking for and ignoring everything else. Now, Ben, as a basketball player, has, has got to be better. I mean, there are times where he's unplayable, but he has a legitimate excuse. Like when you say he hasn't played that long and he had back surgery, that is a legitimate reason yeah. to give him some patience, you know, like, and, and give him some time to get his confidence back, to get his rhythm back. And, and I like what Steve Nash said after the Mavs loss that Ben at the five is going to be a big part of what the team does going forward. I think that's his natural position now. I think it's where he'll be the most effective. I think from a strategic standpoint, Separating him and Nick Claxton needs to be done as much as possible because each of those guys is going to be at their best without the other. Dayron Sharp should not see the floor um, until sometime maybe down the down the line. But as of now, Dayron Sharp should not see the floor. So Ben Simmons at center, I think, will open up things for him a little bit. Let him do what he still does well, which is set up three-point shooters. He he showed some flashes in that game against the Mavericks. You know, good, good defense down the stretch. But what is everybody going to share? The air ball layup. And then the air ball layup combined with the fact that he went under his point total means he's a total garbage can. <laughs> and, and that is, is what it's going to be. There's no, you know, there's no reasoning with that until Ben Simmons goes out and this is on him, you know, and, and I'm going to give him time. I'm going to give him three or four weeks, whatever the case may be. A but month. until Ben Simmons goes out on the court and shoves one down on somebody's face and gets the ball and goes in transition and says, this is why I was a three-time all-star. This yeah. is why I was the rookie of the year. This is why I was once regarded as, you know, one of the number one assets in the league and you were arguing who you'd rather have, me or Joel Embiid. Until he does that and the Nets win some games as a result of him doing that, this is how it's going to be. And and otherwise, you're just fighting back against the, the way things are. Yeah, and the, the NBA is a league with a short memory. You know, there was a time when, especially among Nets fans even, you know, Ben Simmons was a genuine menace. Like, he was genuinely, like you said, a three-time All-Star, Rookie of the Year, debates over him and Joel Embiid. He, he was he was that player. And this, to me, doesn't read as something similar, although the narratives may be, to a Russell Westbrook situation where Russell Westbrook is clearly on the decline of his career, right? Russell Westbrook was that MVP caliber player. He's I mean, the as way. the punching bag and the guy as that everybody's going to no, mock. Right. Narrative-wise, it is. Yeah. But Ben Simmons isn't someone that you have to regard in that way because he has so much time ahead of him. He has so much of a chance to get himself back to that to that form and it's a hot take league we live in it's a hot take culture hot take society whatever social media is ruling the day but what what i worry about is that infecting nets fans and i i have already seen that it has. it has infected nets fans because it's okay if that's the national media talking about that but as soon as your own fans start to turn on you as soon as your own fans of your team start to turn on you i think that's really when it starts to it starts to click, I would say, probably, you know, in, in his head. And that's something that Ben has, has you know, admittedly struggled with, the, the mental side of the game. And that's something that is is really important to acknowledge and to, and to you know, to foster and to take care of, uh, particularly with, with the way social media works, uh, you know, in, in 2022. So I think that's what, what really needs to change is that Nets fans, they can't, they can't fall victim to that trap. And athletes, they notice these things. We, and Keith, you're a big Yankee fan, obviously. You saw, I, I don't know who the quote was from, but uh, Yankee fans being shocked that Aaron Judge got boos uh, during the most recent playoffs. It's something that affects them. When their own fans turn on them, it's something big. So Nets fans play better. To, play better. You know, I don't know, though, because if, if, if you're going to be affected by that, like, I don't know. Nets fans want to be a good team. You, and if the, you more, get the more you millions. start booing Ben Simmons, the you more you start booing millions. Ben Simmons, the worse the team is going to be. But there's a, there's a line between coddling and and being fair giving him right, a life like, isn't coddling you know yeah but but the whole like i mean he does have to play better keith is right in that sense play better you know like how do you how do you silence it play better that's the solution to, to who play better and he is, he is playing better he is. And, 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 and they're honing in on one aspect though don't get me wrong hudson uh, that's also going from like the yankees you got to play better i'm in the stadium when the fans boo them sometimes they're just booing them making the last out with ben simmons i don't think nets fans are gonna boo him but what it is is he there were Nets fans expecting him to help against the Celtics last year. <laughs> he definitely wasn't ready to enter that series when the Nets got swept. He, 
you know, they said he left the group chat. No, he wasn't even ready to go then. So now, after all of this time and going into this year, I think there are Nets fans that are waiting to see the value in Ben Simmons, and it's not there yet. But the Nets team, even Kyrie, Kyrie came out and said, you guys want to come in here and ask me every day about Ben? We're on his ass. We're on his shit every day. But we're giving him positive affirmations. Like, they're working with him. They know, right? They're, these are hoopers that know. And you guys know, if you if you don't step on the court for a couple months, your handle's not the same. Your shot is off. Your reflexes, how you react to things on the court, right? Anybody in the chat that hoops. And we are not NBA players. So imagine the highest level of competition and you haven't played in 470 days. You're not going to be right in five games. This guy needs a whole month until we can see him get back. And he has flashes, right? He has it. He makes good passes. Um, we're, we just need him to do a little bit more and it will come with time. But honestly, I think what's going to happen here, uh, we already mentioned Dayron Sharp. I said he played 14 and a half minutes in the first game. 13 minutes in the second game. Let's move on to the third game, the Dallas Mavericks game that we watched last night. Dayron Sharp got a DMP. And you're facing Luka, another MVP candidate. You're facing Jason Kidd, another top coach in the league, a top basketball mind, one of the greatest. Obviously, Jason Kidd, uh, former former Brooklyn Net. We all, we all remember. So, you know, or New Jersey Net and Brooklyn Net coach. So you go into this game at home, Spencer Dinwiddie back, and Luca and the shooters that he has around him. I don't know. I'm I'm looking at this game. They they competed last night, but I didn't ever think they were gonna win. Even when it got late, I'm like, you're you're gonna get out coached. It's a make or miss league. They're they're making shots. Royce O'Neal coming from the Bucks game, he had misses in that Bucks game, and I know they want they want to rely on him. They want to have confidence and faith in him, but he missed a bunch of shots down the stretch, missing shots from the Bucks game. They went five minutes without hitting a shot in the fourth quarter. You're not going to win like that. And then the same thing carried over to the Dallas Mavericks game. Even though they were able to force OT, it's just not enough. Uh, 41 from Luka. He had his way. He was mad when uh, when Kid called that timeout late. He wanted to, you know, finish them in, in regulation. It goes to overtime. And the biggest thing in overtime, I think they hit three threes or back-to-back threes. And you just see them coming off screens, guys wide open hits the shot versus the Nets that are trying to improvise and draw something up or make it up on the fly, and they can't get the ball in the basket. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's why any encouragement um, has a disclaimer, just because you you expect the, the Nets to lose those games every time. And eventually that result needs to flip. You can't just always expect them to lose those type of games. Uh, I, like what Roy, I like the fact that Royce O'Neal's shooting it without hesitation, whether it's going in or not. There was one he took at the, the, the top of the key. That I was just like, it missed, but I was like, good shot. You know, like he took it in rhythm. He wasn't afraid to shoot it. You got to let it fly because you hurt your team when you don't let the open shots fly. You know, that's one of the reasons Ben Simmons hurts the team was when he's out there and he's not even looking at the basket or he's not, you know, all I want from Ben, I don't care how many points he scores. All I want him is to attempt the shots that he can make, you know, like just attempt them when they're there. And that's why the Kyrie thing blew up. How many times has that happened to you on a court where somebody else, like I've had it happen to me because, you know, I'm, I'm more comfortable with the jump shot than I am in, in the paint as I've gotten older. And if I, I pass up on a layup, people are going to say, you got to shoot the ball. You know, and, and that's what, what Kyrie was saying to Ben on that play. But I, I think some of what you got at Keith is going to help the Nets going forward because it'll put Ben in a position to succeed if he's playing at a big spot more. It'll put Claxton in a position to succeed if he's getting more minutes without Ben on the floor. And, and I think when you bring Seth Curry in, who's a proven knockdown shooter, that can help with that. I think TJ Warren might be the biggest wild card because he's the guy with the most potential to be a third player who can just sort of score and create when things get tough because you you don't you're never going to feel confident when it's Joe Harris or Royce O'Neal barreling to the basket right? like anytime you see that happening you're in your head you're going no you'd rather Kyrie be <laughs> taking a fall away three but David Duke though <laughs> David Duke Jr. I, yeah, I like good to I see like him from Sumner so because the Nets need somebody who's going to take the ball to the rack they don't have anybody yeah. taking the ball to the rack in the Bucks game Ed, Edmund Sumner comes in and he's a, an immediate impact. He has seven points in five minutes, and then you don't see him again. Well, Nash got ejected. I, I did. I do think he said that after the yeah, game. Like maybe by the time, a, he, so I can't put that on Nash. I mean, it's same with Yuta, though. He, he, well, yeah, he, yeah, but Luca was going at Yuta. I mean, look, look, he he's a good player. I like him as an addition, but he was also on the floor, and Luca was you know picking on him. 
It, that that's what he was trying to diagnose every play when he's coming down. He's like, get this guy on me. So, you know, that, that's, that factors in too. I, I think with Nash, I've seen some encouraging signs from the, the, the competitive spirit of the team, particularly from Kyrie, by the way, let me, let me give Kyrie a little credit. Kyrie's been playing hard. Staying. He wants to play both ends. He wants to have a complete season. He's been the Nets, Nets best player so far. He's playing both ends of the floor. I have no complaints with, with this version of Kyrie Irving. KD, you know, is KD. I think he needs to be a little bit stronger with the ball. I'd like him to make a little bit more of an impact on defense. But overall, you're, you're not worried about KD. Nash, um, they're, they're playing with a little bit more of a competitive spirit. It looks like he's about to make an adjustment that I think will be good for the team. He, he got himself kicked out of the, the game. My biggest complaint with Nash right now, whether this is his fault or not, is just that the same issues as we talked about at the beginning of the show are rearing their head over and over again where the, the Nets can't secure the ball and they can't get stops. And that will eventually be what is his undoing more than anything else if, if they don't get to turn it around. But the, the schedule's about to soften. This is the most important stretch of the season coming up because these are games that they, they need to win. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think one interesting point uh, that you, you kind of alluded to at the end, what's up with Kevin Durant's handle? He's lazy he's been losing sometimes, the ball. sloppy he, sometimes. It's been Turnin it's it's been been, been, it's been interesting to see. And like yeah, like you said, Keith, it's it's on one hand you have so many self-inflicted wounds, whether it's maybe fouls that shouldn't go the Nets way, you know, whatever. But the turnovers, the turnovers are are something that, boy, I don't, I hope the Nets don't develop a reputation as a team that you know is liable to turn the ball over in a serious way. But uh, you know, to me, it, it's starting to feel. It's starting to feel like it, it might be going that direction. But again, the only takeaway I can have from this game is that 125 points is great if your opponent doesn't put up 135, right? You you can't you can't allow points like that. It, Robin, I see you got something to say. Yeah, well, could, you hit on it though with the turn. Basketball is a game of possessions, fundamentally. It's a game of possessions. You know, each team has a certain amount of possessions in the game. So sometimes the, the Nets' first line defense isn't even that bad. But when you're turning the ball over as often as they do and you're giving up as many second chances as often as they do, I promise you, you go back through the box scores and you just look at field goal attempts. And the team that they're playing is going to have more field goal attempts because they're getting more possessions. And, and KD's turnovers are not normal turnovers. They're bad ones because it almost always leads to a layup for the other team. So I, I think yeah. that that's something he really needs to secure the ball better and, and set the tone in that regard. But yeah, that that's what I, I was getting at is, is part of it's not even just defense. It's the fact that you know, in a game of possessions, when one team's getting more than the other, it's it's gonna it's gonna show up on the scoreboard. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. Um, I remember I was I was um talking to someone close to me just the other day who did not a big basketball fan was asking how there are blowouts in basketball when there's it's so you know one team gets a chance, the other team gets a chance, one to the other, one to the other. That's how, that's how you know given given the ball to the other team, right? That's how the Nets and the, and the three point shot nowadays and the, and the three point shot. Um. But but that's that's how you 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 run into problems like the Nets are running into, because I actually last night I liked the fight I liked the resiliency I liked the ability to get that game to overtime I loved Ben Simmons' uh, steal at the end of that game We talked about Ben Simmons needing to show improvements He did He played a better game I remember I think Robin you might have even tweeted about it There was one play I really liked with Ben Simmons where he didn't even make the shot He just he went down the court. He took one of his hook shots, I think, from like just to the right uh, of the basket. He missed it. Clax got the rebound, ended up with a foul. But to see him taking those shots, that's improvement. And I'm not usually someone who's a, a moral victories type of player, because like you said, Robin, we're going to have to start changing those L's into W's at some point. We can't be expecting to lose all of these close games. But out of all of these three games, I would say the most sign of improvement, even though the defense was tough, even though the turnovers were tough, I would say it's coming from this Mavs game and going ahead to what Robin has called the most important stretch of this season. We need to see those, those moral victories turn into, into ones on the court against lesser opponents. Yeah. Uh, it's surprising to see the Nets still be in these games with their lack of defense, with the amount of turnovers they have. And I guess you can attribute that to the scoring of Katie and Kyrie. Uh, I feel like they need another piece. And what I'll say is, they're missing some pieces right now. Seth Curry's on the men. Seth Curry's on the way back. He will change things. Um, Markeith Morris is supposed to rejoin the team tomorrow. Uh, TJ Warren is on the mend. I don't know how long it's going to take for him to get back, but this this thing's going to evolve. They're, you know what I'll say about the Nets? They're, 
they've done this the last few years. In the beginning of the season, they they try things out. They try players out, right? Like you're seeing now Cam Thomas is not getting any burn. And when we were all together opening night, he got off the bench. And I was like, oh, that, he got in a game quick. So now you're not even – he's getting DMP'd. Now you're not even seeing him. Um, you're not seeing Dayron De- Kessler last night. All three of these second-year players that the Nets depended on last year, they're not using. But David Duke got some run. He was in there. He had to guard Luca late. He ended up fouling out. But he got some run, and I didn't mind seeing him. He was in street clothes the, the game before. So what I'll say is the Nets are always trying things out. Maybe it's a Nash thing. Maybe he's trying to figure out who he has, what he has. And at the cost of losing some close games to playoff teams, they'll lose these games. They don't really care too much about the beginning of the season. The name of this episode is the Nets never start fast. Ian Eagle came out and said they've never been better than two and two um, in the first four games of the season. So they use these these beginning games as a trial run, test run. And now coming up, we'll, we'll look ahead. Send your questions in the chat if you have any questions uh, for us before we wrap up here. Um, but we'll look ahead to the next schedule. We've already talked about these Pacers games back to back. And the NBA has these like home and home series set up. I know the Spurs and Timberwolves just did one. I think the Heat and the Raptors might have just did one. And here we are. We're about to host one. Um, it's Pacers Nets tomorrow at 730. And then they run it back Pacers Nets Monday, Halloween at 730. I think they got this whole like uh, Halloween trick or treat thing set up for the kids. If you're you know looking to go. Uh, to the game with your kids on Monday. And then they host the Bulls. Uh, we'll probably have an episode after they host the Bulls. Uh, you know, we'll let them get the two Pacers games in, and then they'll they'll have a game Tuesday against the Bulls November 1st, and then we'll probably come back Wednesday sometime uh, with a new episode after those three games. But you guys have already said it. Tell me what you're thinking. I think these are winnable games. Um, the Pacers. Well, if they're not winnable games, the Nets suck. <laughs> that, yeah, Nets are a bad team if, but, they, if these aren't winnable games. But nothing is guaranteed. You don't know how it's going to go. Uh, they should win. They should beat the Pacers twice. And the Bulls right now aren't. Uh, I'm not sure if they're. I'm not sure of their record, but they're not the Bulls of last year. All, all these were, games are at home, right? Like this is a stretch where they, you got to go three and zero. Yeah, you need it. Yeah, you absolutely need it. And then three and zero, all of a sudden it's five hundred, and the the next episode we're we're in a whole different uh, mind frame. The Bulls are three and two. The Pacers are one and four. So if you can't beat the Pacers twice, something is seriously wrong. And then you'll have some competition with DeMar DeRozan and the Bulls. But these are not the Bulls last year that were the number one seed going back and forth with us. They're missing a couple guys. Um, These are winnable games. And at one and four, if you can go win these next three games, you're back to 500. Four and four, feeling a little bit better about going forward and getting guys back, getting healthier, and seeing what this full team looks like. Um, all right, who else do we who else do we need on the roster? The guys that aren't playing. So I mentioned the three names that I'm looking at: uh, Seth Curry, Markeith Morris, and T.J. Warren. And Markeith will be back Saturday um, tomorrow against the Pacers. I'm not sure about Seth Curry, but they did say that he's – I think he's ramping up now. Um, he was with the Long Island Nets, and the Nets recalled him. So he's he's on the way. And T.J. Warren, they said November. So we're a couple days away from November. I think he could be back in the next couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, all those are important additions. Uh, obviously, the, the lack of um, somebody with true size is something that's going to come up, uh, you know, Ben needs to, if he's going to be playing, guide the team a little bit as a ball handler. Uh, they can always use more ball handlers. That's where Seth Curry, TJ Warren come in. But you, you had talked earlier in the show, Keith, about last year when John Morant went down and the Grizzlies kept winning games, right? And it feels like with the Nets, we're always like, well, this guy's not here or this guy's not here. Some of it becomes ingrained in in how the team plays together with purpose and and the consistency they bring from a focus standpoint Now i just finished coaching little kids soccer and i i tell them all the time focus is a superpower in sports focus is a superpower in sports so talent is going to get you to the promised land but that that mind state and and the 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 way you you go about your business is going to give you some consistency 
And, and I think the Nets get much better when they get some of this personnel back. But we we do need this team to get to the point where it doesn't matter who's in the lineup. You you know what you're getting with them from uh, a competitive spirit standpoint, a togetherness standpoint, because a team like Memphis just showed you last year they can be without their best player and still win a lot of games. Yeah, and there's no one who is under the illusion that the Nets are a, a finished product, whether it's you know getting everyone to have the run together or – I'm just assuming there's going to be some, at least some minor roster changes before the playoffs. But I think this team, like you said, Robin, I think they need to figure it out a little bit for themselves. And it's a it's a sink or swim league and you can't keep losing figure it out games. Eventually, you're going to have to turn those L's into W's. But the answer, and this is directed to, to Nets fans and particularly one Nets fan who just commented this in in, in, uh, in the live chat, uh, the, the answer isn't players from elsewhere in the league. It's not Boogie. It's certainly not Boogie. I, but I, Boogie's I don't know not many, an NBA player. I don't know how many times you have to keep saying this. Boogie is not an NBA player. He's, I, I, he's, he's so washed. He's so done. It's not not a conversation. But we, I think the team needs to look look within itself. I think we always were so heavy on, you know, in marks we trust. The Nets have a roster. They have an NBA roster They can they that should be winning games. They have two veritable superstars Ben Simmons, who can be an all-star caliber player when he's when he's at his best. And they have a lot of young talent. They have good, theoretically good off-ball three-point shooters. We need to win games with the team that we have on the floor right now. It's it's we're we're very early in the season. We can't already be looking for, well, the Nets need to trade for another center. The Nets need to get this guy. The Nets need to bring Boogie Cousins out of retirement. You know, it it needs to be something that we figure out ourselves, or, you know, like Robin said. You know, injuries are a reality of, of the NBA. There's probably going to be a time where, you know, Katie, Kyrie, or both of them are out, are injured, and we need to be able to win games without them. We need to be able to win games with the team that we have on the floor right now. Yeah, I'm looking at this article with Cam Thomas saying, yeah, of course he was surprised he didn't play. He said, I ain't had no conversations with Steve Nash, just not playing at the moment. Very surprising. It is what it is. Maybe they're going to trade Cam. Maybe they are. I I was screaming. You guys were there. I was screaming for them to take Cam out of the game. So I have no sympathy for him. He he did not play well enough in Game One. And that too. He's not. He's just not ready. He's a bucket getter. But we got bucket getters. We need guys that are going to play defense. We need guys that are going to play their roles. Like uh, I I think Cam comes into the game looking to shoot, which is fine. um, But not on this team. Like that's not what this team needs. This team has uh, enough guys that can score. But we shall see, man. This is it. You know, we we. We're in the journey again after the offseason that the Nets had rolling into this season. I don't think anyone thought they were going to stop start fast. I don't think anyone thought they were going to be undefeated, uh, especially with the, the teams they faced. They have faced all playoff teams from last year. The Pelicans, the Raptors, the Grizzlies, the Bucks, the Mavs. That's a gauntlet to start the season, especially when you aren't fully healthy and you have new players like Ben Simmons and Royce O'Neal and uh, Sumner and Watanabe and all of these guys trying to figure out who they are and what they are in this offense, defense, and in Steve Nash's scheme. Even with like his decisions, like with these rotations and some of the guys that are playing together that we know shouldn't be playing together, like they are trying stuff out and uh, it's a work in progress. So as fans, we got to be patient. I listened to some of these spaces the last couple nights, and I know Nets fans, <laughs> I know Nets fans are always negative and have seen the worst. So they expect the worst, but you got to understand it's early. You do have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving on this team. They're going to figure out the you know guys in between, and who knows? Maybe this is all trending so that Steve Nash gets fired and they make some big trades um, at the deadline. But like I said, I think either in the beginning of this episode or maybe I said it before we went live, there's other top teams struggling. Uh, it is so early that you can't really look at it and and gauge too much you can see like we were talking about the lakers uh the lakers are 0 and 4 and <laughs> I, I don't know the clippers are two and three i don't, I don't know about them well, the lakers are a bad team the clippers <laughs> clippers the whole Kyrie uh Ka- Kawhi thing i'm sorry is 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 uh nobody talks about it because Ka- Kawhi doesn't talk but on a normal timeline he was back for the playoffs last year and now he's he, he had he's that whole chilling. year off and he's still missing games so that does little... not want to play that bad <laughs> he does not want to be out there that bad and then there's Philly right and then yeah then Philly is one and four and uh you know you're just looking at even the heater two and four some of these things don't belong the, the Portland Trailblazers are four and one at the top um teams are figuring it out it's it's early Golden State is is ranked ninth at three and two. 
you know, it's so early, you can't really judge too much. All we can hope as Nets fans is that they get it together sooner rather than later. And we'll be here talking you through it, uh, walking you through it, giving our takes, our opinions. Um, I think we're good on questions from the chat. Thanks for watching. And uh, <laughs> Cook Carter, what up, Cook? He said, you tripping, talking injuries. This is talking Nets. Yeah, nah. You, there, we're, no one's coming to save the Nets. So, like, that's not what I'm talking about with, like, getting Seth Curry back or TJ Warren back. I don't expect them to come in, and now the Nets are uh, look like an all-star team. But uh, they are not whole yet, and they're using these first few games as uh, tests, trial, and error. And we can only hope that Ben gets better and Dayron Sharp gets better or doesn't play, uh, and they figure out these rotations. So tell a friend to tell a friend. Talking Nets is back. Appreciate you guys for watching and chatting and uh just being a part of what we do thanks for supporting uh talking nets and that's all we've got for this episode you guys got anything else you want to add before we wrap uh the superstars i mean i i like what um i've seen from from both of those guys scoring the ball and i love what i've seen from from Kyrie. katie you know like you want to be mentioned with the the lucas and the the jaws and and the steps and some of those guys you can't be on a team that's spiraling out. Some of that's on you. So I, I would issue a challenge for him to to bear that burden of responsibility. I think the Nets just need to win these next games. I want I want to come yeah. back to talking Nets at five hundred. That's it. Win the games. Yeah. They're they're if they're not winnable. If you're if you're not at least losing this game by these games by one bucket. If 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 not getting wins in all three of them, then I'm more worried about the Nets. Three wins. Come back to talking Nets at five hundred. Three wins in a row. Yeah, and, and I'll add to KD. They're they're taking shots at KD. Isaiah Thomas taking shots at KD, saying, you know, 30 points from KD used to be a win for the teams he's on. Now he's getting his 30 and taking L's, and they're putting him in the group of Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, LeBron, and KD, these guys that are up there in age that have been around and been dominant so long, they're struggling early on in their season. The narrative can change. KD can change the narrative. He's got to play a little better, too. So let's go Nets. Let's go Nets. Let's go Nets. Brooklyn. We out of here. Thanks for watching.